This is Animals Voice Podcast, presented by the Ontario SPCA, with 50 communities working together for animal welfare. We've got another great show for you on the way, so put your paws up, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Animals Voice Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Cook, and producer. Uh, You might be wondering why you're not hearing the more manly tones of Kevin McKenzie, and he happens to be away on a business trip. And you know, we only have so many opportunities to speak with the incredible Dave Wilson, (laughs) Director of Shelter Health and Wellness at the Ontario SPCA. So we wanted to take advantage of that. So how are you, Dave? With that setup, I guess I better be pretty good, actually. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. Thanks again for having me back. Looking forward to it. Yeah, well, we're very excited to have you. And uh, this podcast, for any of our listeners who don't know, is our Ask the Vet podcast. People have been submitting their questions on Facebook and Twitter. And now we have these questions for you because you're also a retired vet. Isn't that right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we have these questions and we're ready to get into it. How do you feel? Pretty good. Yeah, looking forward to it. This should be some some interesting topics I think we're going to tackle today. Definitely. So the first question that we got is, what's the best way to clean my cat's ears or should I bring her in to a vet to be seen? And it's, it's a great question. And I think if it's the first time that you're noticing problems with the cat or with the dog, let's say, the first time I think you want to get in to to see your veterinarian because they can determine if it is just inflammation or redness. Is it allergies? Is it uh, an infection? What actually is going on? What's the root of the cause? And then choose the best treatment plan for you. Now, with ears, a lot of times once it's diagnosed and, and once we know what the problem is, then it is the owner's responsibility to continue home care. And that can be for days, weeks, that can be permanent uh, home care for some animals. So, I mean, you do get some breeds of animals, let's say for dogs, the Cocker Spaniels, for example, or the Basset Hounds with those big floppy ears. For the cats, let's say something like the Scottish Fold that have anything that really closes off the ear canal and makes it a lot warmer and a lot damper or a lot moister in there. It just becomes a beautiful breeding ground for a lot of bacteria and yeast and that's where our problems start. Ears are also one of the first places that allergies can show up, and whether that's pollen or or seasonal allergies, food allergies, environmental allergies, all of those can start to cause some redness and itching. So the first time you have a problem, get in to see your veterinarian and then work out your your basically your long-term plan uh, with your veterinary team, but then probably understand that a fair bit of the continuing care is going to be up to you uh, at home using those products in, in a home setting. Right. Okay. Well, that's great advice. So we also have some questions about food type Mm. things. So one here is, how can I know the food my pet is eating is best for them? So I guess that could be either health-wise, maybe they have special uh, needs like they're overweight or have dandruff. What kind of things help someone know that their pet's on the right diet? And it's a great question for a couple of big reasons. One is, there is so much marketing and advertising in the pet food industry. It's it's a multi-million dollar industry. So everyone is trying to get you to buy their brand, their particular food. And it's interesting, if you think of some of the ads that you may have heard or seen uh, either on TV or social media lately, half of them seem to go towards kind of the emotional thing. It'll be something kind of cute or funny or just 
you know, that emotional bond. But then you'll start to know some of the other ones are going for kind of more science-based. They're trying to convince you of their ingredient list or their quality of production or quality of control. I think at the starting point, the best thing can be uh, your veterinarian or, or let's even say a member of your veterinary team, because there are some registered veterinary technicians that are also certified in animal nutrition, and they may be able to give you some great advice when you're you're in seeing your veterinarian. But okay. I'd say start with your veterinarian, get the best advice of, like you said, the right food for the right breed, the right life stage, the right medical condition that goes along with it, and then follow their recommendations on on how to uh, how to choose the best one and then keep with that. Okay. And this might be something that you think is connected in terms of talking with your vet. Um, But how much food should I be feeding my pet was another question. It's a tough one because uh, people sometimes try to follow the feeding guide that, that may be in a brochure or maybe on the side of the bag or the side of the can. Um, and those feeding guides have to be quite generous because they don't want to suggest that you underfeed. And so, unfortunately, a lot of times you can end up overfeeding your animal. Again, start with start with your veterinarian. It's a great starting point. And then gauge it yourself with how your animal is doing. See how their body weight is changing. See how their body condition is changing. And, I mean, you don't necessarily have to, you know, pick up your big Labrador retriever or your, your German Shepherd and put them on a bathroom scale with you. But, you know, there are things you can do to try and assess whether they're gaining or losing weight in addition to what the scale tells you as well. But I'd say start with your veterinarian for for guidelines on what what sort of a range you want to work with and then work within that range to see what your particular animal needs based on what their energy demands are. Right. And now I'm just kind of curious because you said that there are different ways you can tell if your pet is gaining or losing weight. Because I think when you are looking at a pet every day, just like with people, you might not notice, right? Because you see them every day. So gradual changes are harder to catch. Mm -hmm. So what are some of those things that pet owners can kind of be aware of just so that that way... They're keeping that in mind, and then they can go to their vet when they realize there's a concern. Yep. There's two ways of doing it, is assessing how the animal is visually, and then also touch. And like visually, what you want to try and do is look at the animal sideways, and then look at them top down. And really what you're looking for in dogs, in most breeds of dogs, now this will vary a little bit based on the breed, but in most breeds of dogs, you want to see that usually if you're looking down on the dog, the chest is the widest, it tapers down into the waist and then flares out a little bit over the hips. If you're looking sideways, you usually want to see that the chest is about the deepest point, it comes up a little bit into the stomach. The last thing you want to see is or when you're when they're gaining weight is as the stomach starts to bulge out past the point of where the ribs are. Okay. Now in cats, you look for some of the same things. You can also with the cat look and see, looking top down again, see that bulge around the belly. Sometimes looking sideways on with the cat is a little tricky because some of them, especially the boys, do tend to have this little belly flap of skin. And and a lot of people will say, you know, oh yeah, I see my cat trotting by me all this time. This little flip-flop of skin goes by. And if you feel it, that's when you can get into the whole touch part. If you feel it, you'll realize that a lot of that is just skin. It's not that there's a lot in there. Touch-wise, it takes a little bit of pressure to be able to run your hands over the ribs and then actually feel your fingers going bump, bump, bump over the ribs. Just when you first touch the animal, if the ribs are right there, then you want to speak with your veterinarian because probably the animal is too light. They're not carrying enough weight or they're not using their food properly. 
If you get to the point where you can't even find the ribs, then you're at the other extreme and the animal's carrying too much weight. A couple of the major food manufacturers, both Royal Canin and Purina, produce a body condition score. Uh, okay. Your veterinarian mm-hmm. can tell you how to get that. And it's a great little visual cartoon reference. And it tells you how to feel to see when you're in that ideal range. And those can be great tools to use rather than just relying on the scale itself. Yeah, that sounds like great advice. And another food-related type question would be, do I have to use a scale to um, weigh my pet's food to feed them? Like, is that the only way to really be able to tell you're giving the right amount of food? I think that might be intimidating to some pet owners. So it's a great question. It is. And usually you find that most feeding guides go by a cup or a cc or or a mill measurement if if you tend to use it rather than a weight because a lot of people won't have a kitchen scale you know really handy for them so usually look on the side of the bag most of the time you're going to find on the side of the bag it'll say so many cups on the side of the uh, the can it may say again so many cups so many tablespoons so many mills or cc's of food to use and that usually that measuring either using a measuring cup or measuring spoons work out a lot easier for them than trying to weigh the actual food for you. Okay, well that's definitely good to know. Yeah, makes it easier. Yeah, it's great. So we're here with Dave Wilson, Director of Shelter Health and Wellness at the Ontario SPCA. We're just going to take a quick commercial break and we will be right back to talk about flea and tick medication. So you definitely don't want to miss that. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Brad Dewar, an inspector with the Ontario SPCA. Every day, Ontario SPCA officers respond to calls of animals being abused or neglected. All animals in Ontario are required to be provided with basic standards of care. If you suspect abuse or neglect, call our toll-free 24-hour call centre at 310-SPCA or 7722. You can also email your complaint to cruelty at ospca.on.ca. Welcome back to Animals Voice Podcast. We're here with Dave Wilson, Director of Shelter Health and Wellness at the Ontario SPCA. So we've been talking about all kinds of things, cleaning pets' ears, and then now food, overweight pets. And we want to talk now about flea and tick medication. So one of the questions we received in our Ask the Vet questionnaire was, do I have to put my dog on flea and tick medication during the summer? It's it's a great question, and this is the perfect time of year to be thinking about it as we're in late spring, just approaching those hot summer months. Um, your starting point is going to be your veterinarian is is finding out from them because not only is it a question of do I have to put, do I need flea and tick medication for my animal, but then the second part of it is what's the best one for my particular animal. There are so many medications that are out there nowadays, whether you go with a, a topical, that's like a liquid that you may put on over there on their skin rather over their shoulder blades or over their back there's oral products something that you give by mouth and that come in either a liquid or a little chewable tablet form it really runs the gamut and you want to work with your veterinarian to find the one that meets the needs for what your pet's requirements are based on 
really everything from what their lifestyle is to the environment they live in to the region in terms of what region of Ontario you even live in. And so your veterinarian and you can, together can work out what's the best product to choose and then which one, which is the best way to apply it, which is the best way to monitor how it's working, how it's successful. And then even your, your veterinarian can also help you to look for any signs that the product might not be working. So in other words, any signs of any fleas or ticks, what to watch for, how to take precautions, uh, if that does happen, what to do. So it's a, it's a great question. And Ontario now, I think pretty much almost across the province, we've got to be thinking about fleas and ticks as pretty much a universal problem. We've even seen some of the dogs that we've acquired from northern Ontario, up near Kenora and areas like that, mm-hmm. that definitely had problems dealing with fleas and ticks, even from that far north. And so it's not just uh, us in the south that uh, have this as a concern. It's all across the province. For sure. And if someone was concerned that their area had a worse flea or tick problem, is there a resource like maybe on the government website or something that kind of shows those hot spots? Some of the companies that actually produce these products actually will show you incident maps or will show you occurrence maps. Um, so if, if your veterinarian has given you a product that you're using, you can always check to see if that company's website is on the package and it may have some information for you. Or again, check with your veterinarian or veterinary team to see if there is a website or printed information that you can get that does cover that. Absolutely. No, that's great. Okay, so this is more about cleanliness now. So a question, does my cat need to take a bath and how often? So I think that's probably common. I know a lot of pet owners uh, that have cats that don't bathe hardly at all. Yep. I mean, you don't want to get scratched by a cat, right? they don't like water. So what would you say to that? I think you're right. I think from the cat's point of view, the answer is no, I don't need a bath. (laughs) Thanks so much. Go find somebody else. (laughs) But it it really depends on, there are a lot of cats. In fact, the majority of cats are self-cleaning because they do spend quite a bit of their day self-grooming. They're pretty meticulous about maintaining their own cleanliness, maintaining the quality of their hair coat and their skin coat. So very few cats actually do require bathing. Some medical conditions will necessitate uh, actually having to have either topical products or shampoos, conditioners, other things like that used on the cat. And that's when your veterinarian and again your veterinary team are going to be telling you what's the product to use, how best to use it. But even when you're in for your annual wellness checkup or your physical exam, that's a great time to check in with your veterinarian and say, you know, as you're looking at the skin, do you see anything that I should be concerned about? Do you think I need to be worried about bathing my cat? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, that's that's a great answer. And that's good to know. I have two cats, so I mean, it's nice that I don't feel like You and me have both. To. If I can stay away from it, all the better. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So last question, kind of an interesting one. So if my pet is dragging their back end on the ground, what could this mean? What do you think? You know, the shorter answer is it can mean almost anything. And that's where I I think a lot of people think, oh, well, it has to be those pesky little scent glands, those little anal glands that dogs and cats have. It might be that, sure, that's always a possibility. But in terms of what it is exactly and what it means to your animal, your veterinarian is going to be your best friend to help you find that out and guide you through what needs to be done. Although it can be those anal glands, it can also be a lot of other things going on back there. This isn't also something that you want to put off and go, well, it might just be a little bit of itch. I'll, I'll wait for, for a few weeks because if there is something more urgent, like let's say a physical blockage or a physical problem, that could be an approaching emergency situation. So if you do notice that, at the very least, 
call your veterinary hospital, get their advice over the phone, and find out from them you know, how soon they want you in. But usually getting, getting your animal examined by your, your veterinarian is, is your best thing to do to deal with any problems like that where the answer can be such a wide variety of things occurring. Don't just jump to you know, what you heard from a friend or what you read on Dr. Google. You know, Use your veterinarian's training and, and their professional skills to help guide you through something like this. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's great advice. Right now, it is got a pet, get a vet month. So we're definitely encouraging pet owners to get out there, get in touch with a vet and make sure you have a relationship with them because these questions come up and we're happy to answer a few of them. But definitely, I hear the theme of make sure you talk to your vet about it. Make sure you go to your vet. So that's great advice. So thank you so much for being here and answering these questions with us today. You're welcome. I was glad being back. Well, we're happy to have you. So this has been Dave Wilson, Director of Shelter Health and Wellness at the Ontario SPCA. I hope that you've enjoyed this podcast and the questions being answered. Thank you so much to our listeners for all of your support. Please continue to share our podcast on social media. We'd love to hear from you if you have any ideas for shows. And we definitely appreciate you reaching out. If you want to reach our host, Kevin, you can tweet him at OSPCA Kevin or send him an email at kmckenzie at ospca.on.ca. So that's it for today. Until next time, we'll catch you later. Thank you for joining us for another edition of Animals Voice Podcast. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and at our website, ontariospca.ca. Animals Voice Podcast is a production of the Ontario SPCA. The Society would like to thank all our supporters. Together, we are the Animals Voice.